All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Pear Pod. Thank you all for supporting the last episode. The fucking Sean Cullen episode killed it. So thank you so much. Thank you, Sean, for coming on. Hope you're doing well down in Australia. Um, very special guest today. If you live in the, the Dublin 8 area, within a 5K radius of Dublin 8, you've probably seen him running up and down the canals every fucking day, man. It's amazing. Um, but equally amazing is his uh, the TikToks that he creates, discussing his battles with drugs and alcohol and you know, inspiring his followers to choose a, a fitter and healthier lifestyle. And um, by running 5k again, you've also recently just started doing interviews on those as well, which I think is class, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to welcome Christopher Conley That's to the podcast much. today. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you. And um, obviously, I saw you first in the gym. Obviously, I've seen your content and stuff like that. But um, did you grow up in the Dublin 8 area, like around Herbert and stuff like that? Yeah, so um, I actually grew up in Five Man Mansions, yeah, yeah. which is um, more or less the heart of uh, Dublin 8 as well. Um, and yeah, I've lived here all my life. And did you have a, when I first saw you, I'm trying to think, as Dublin 8 is an area, it's kind of gone through, like, I just moved in, like, two years ago, my missus' aunt has a place there, so we're staying there now. Totally. And from the neighbours I've chatted to and stuff, like, the area has changed a lot in the last, like, five yeah, to ten yeah. years, let's say. What was it like as an area to grow up in? Like, back, this is, what, 15, 20 years ago now, like? Yeah, 15, 20, uh, 15 years ago or something, it used to be, like, a block of flats, yeah. you know, um, whereas everybody was just out, like, you know, sort of hang around with each other, and it was it was it was really really good, like you know what I mean. But at the same same time, it was also like really really bad, you know. Um, like there was a lot of trouble and a lot of um drug dealing and stuff like that going on. Not much has really, really changed, you know, to this day. But like realistically, um, it is what it is, you know. I uh, I I've told this a few times. So first day I moved into the house, I walked over to the centre there in the Rialto village, yeah. and uh, I was just walking over, and there's a little like area where lads will just wait outside the chip or whatever, <laughs> and the lads are all just fucking house and like massive joints. And I was like, yeah, here we go, welcome home. It was like, beautiful. And <laughs> um, when you were kind of growing up, you mentioned there that there was like uh like drugs and alcohol was obviously a, like around, but like when you were first growing up, like what kind of did you look at like aspirations for work and stuff like that beforehand? Like what, what was like in your teen years? What were you looking to do after you finished school? Um, basically just to, to make money, you know, just to, to get by. Um, as soon as I started to get out of school, I was instantly brought down the, the whole new world of women, fucking nights out, you know, and just, just started off really basic enough with just having a couple of drinks and trying to get a couple of girls' numbers or even better to get them good to go home with you, you know? And, uh, like, we, we actually have this in common. You've spoken about it a few times. You have, a like, an addictive personality. Yeah. I'd have the same. I've, I've had it with, essentially, every fucking substance I've tried has been, like, a bastard for me to get off on. It's yeah. just, uh, I'd say with my dad, very, very similar to my dad in that way. Uh, how quickly, when you first, like, start trying out calling drugs like that, how quickly did it go from, like, recreational to, like, oh, shit, I fucking love this shit, and it's it's getting hard for me to kind of deal with that? Yeah, so was it, it uh, back then, it's very hard to differentiate what was going on for me, but it's not until I am where I am now that, looking back, I can actually start to connect the dots. And back then, I was just convinced that, that I liked drugs and I liked drink and I liked nights out. But in reality, all I liked was the good feelings that I was getting off them, which in turn was trying to fill my addiction, which at the time I didn't realize that I had. All I thought I was doing was just being one of the lads going out on a standard night out fucking drinking and going through a, a little bit of coke and, and inevitably then that started to, to lead me down the road where once I, once I knew I was going out on a night out, I couldn't go out 
without having a bag of coke. Now, it didn't obviously originate um, from cocaine. Um, it, it like it more so like as as much as I I started to think back, it really started off with like steroids, um, ecstasy. Could even say like watching porn. You know what I mean? Like if if something made me happy for a little bit of time, yeah. I was hooked on it. That little dopamine hit. Like, yeah. And that's essentially what like everyone chases when you first try a drug. You chase that high for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, um, it's kind of weird in that little like. 15 to 25, even a little bit younger that period, you can kind of hide in your addiction a little bit because everyone's doing the same stuff. Yeah. Like I through college, it was, wasn't weird for anyone to be doing like four nights out a week, like crawling into school, like all that kind of shit wasn't. And then you kind of, you step into the real world and suddenly you're like, no, I'm working nine to five or whatever. And you're supposed to make that adjustment. And like, I think that's where people can suddenly realize, oh fuck now it's when, when I need to tone it down, I can't. Yeah. And um, when you were, uh, like when you were kind of growing up into it, like what was the first kind of moment that you realized like I might be having a little bit of an issue here. Maybe it's like you pick up, you're picking up now on like a Monday afternoon versus like a Friday evening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, like I, I, I was trying, I always used to try to pinpoint when I started to get out of control. Um, but realistically it was always sort of out of control, you know, whenever I started to pick up a drink or a drug, um, as the old saying goes, all bets are off, you know, I'm liable to do anything, to end up anywhere, and nobody fucking knows, including myself, where I'm going to end up. I, I, I used to start off where I'd go off and I'd have a couple of points and I'd say, you know what, I don't actually want to hang around with the lads anymore, I'll just leg it home and get a takeaway. So innocently enough, same thing, chasing short-term pleasures. Uh, food is another area that I can start to channel my addiction down. You know, whichever way that my body starts to feel uh, it's going to grasp some sort of good feeling, it definitely will. Um, and then that just led me down then just going out with the lads, having a, a, a couple of lines of coke. And then before I knew it, then I didn't even want to be in around people or in the whole uh, social aspect or social setting you know which led me to going out having a couple of drinks or everybody getting a bit paranoid fucking back uh, to me man and dad's house um, and then creeping upstairs lying in bed and then sniffing cocaine off my chest um, and then I just normalized it from there did you um I, I remember I, I saw one of the TikToks that you put up. It was like a story that kind of speaks to what you spoke about there about where you like to like go and like isolate yourself and like that that kind of transition from going out with the lads and doing it to be able to have fun. And that's kind of where everyone kind of gets into it to it kind of spiraling into now I just want to be alone and do it. I guess there's like, there's that shameful feeling. You don't want people to know you're doing it. You do also the paranoia you spoke about. Yeah. Um, the story you told about you going down to like, under a bridge and stuff like that. Yeah. I saw that on your TikTok and like, even though like we don't need to get into it now if you don't want to, but like the the value in that, like I, I know just recently, like a couple of weeks ago, uh, Irish lad who's doing a lot of TikToks took his own life there recently. And like the, one of the things that I was hoping to do with this podcast is just normalize these conversations a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, and yeah. that's what your content does so well, man. Like you having to feel like you need to isolate yourself is kind of the feeling we're trying to get away from because like men in particular have so, feel so much like shame that they're yeah, not yeah. you know they're not i guess living into like what they'd like to be not achieving and they know if people saw this they'd think of them in a certain way um would you mind going into that bridge no, a little course, bit just to yeah. tell it if you wouldn't mind like, 
see, realistically, like the the reason why most people actually don't speak about this is because they think that everybody doesn't go through it. When realistically, everybody has that shit. Everybody has those little dark secrets. And anybody who says that he doesn't is a fucking liar. Um, but the bridge you're talking about is Sewer Road. Um, most people from the Dublin Eight area will know it. Um, and basically, what I used to do was I would go on a night out, drink, and obviously go back to me man and dad's house at the time I hadn't got my own place and when it came to around five or six in the morning I'd go around to a local convenience store and I'd get a couple of cans obviously the off license wasn't opened up I'd meet a fella who'd give me as much coke as he possibly could and then I'd head around to Sewer Road I'd sit underneath the bridge I'd drink as much uh, as I could sniff as much as I could until I started to actually have the crack with myself well I thought I was having the crack with myself all I was doing was sort of trying to numb whatever I was that I was going through because every single every single step almost of me going in towards that whole uh, outrageous like sort of addiction sort of scenario sitting underneath bridges sniffing and drinking and then getting paranoid and I'd often jump into the bushes where I'd be severely paranoid and think people are coming to shoot me and then when I was in there for about 45 minutes an hour I'd be coming and this does sound mad but this is the reality that I was living in and then I started to come back into reality and I'd be like actually nobody is uh, coming after me okay right so it's back under the bridge and I just sit back under the bridge and there was a time when my mother and father were actually looking for me and my sister had told them that I quite often sit under Sewer Road Bridge and they end up coming up and seeing me under there and their heart was broken you know didn't know what to say or what to think with our son, like, like sitting underneath the bridge, you know. Um, but I, I honestly thought that was normal. Yeah. And to be honest with you, at that time, I actually thought I enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, you could actually even go to the extent of saying, at that very moment, I did enjoy it, yeah. you know. But it was only because I did not realise that my life had a bigger purpose. Mm. My life had a bigger meaning. But all I was trying to do was disconnect with the reality that I was actually living, which for that very moment led me under that bridge. What, what were what were some of the the feelings and like you might not be able to articulate them or like understand them even at this point, but like what were some of the things you were trying to escape? Like was it a a lot of guys, at least from from things I've seen is, is guys kind of feel when they have a lack of direction or they don't have, there's kind of, you know, there's lads we know who go straight from school into good job, into family. They make like the very you know, normal route that people take. And yeah. then for a lot of other people, like there's, there's that period where people get a little bit lost and don't know where they kind of fit in. And um, so like, what, what were some of the things that you were trying to escape with at the time? Well, growing up, like I really did not have any sort of sense of direction. You know, I was into one thing and then I was over. And before I knew it, like I end up, um, being in a relationship and I was having a daughter and all of this then just hit me with the whole thing of I actually have to be responsible and I wasn't ready to be responsible I wasn't ready for a relationship and I definitely wasn't ready to be a father or to be able to appreciate the the whole um the whole journey of being a father so all I tried to do was escape as much as I could um which led me down to the road of just oblivion through drinking drugs and alcohol, you know, and, and all I would do was hurt every single person around me. Because looking back now, and still to this day, I struggle with it. My whole, 
My whole core belief, which is ingrained in me from a young age, is that I'm not enough, you know. And that's came to me from my childhood and from wherever traumatic experiences that I've went through as I've grown up. But that's something that I was even speaking about today. That's something that I still struggle with, you know. Somebody uh, who is close to me starts to give me like the cold shoulder or starts to, to, um, sort of take themselves away from the, the friendship of me with me, yeah. I'll instantly think like I'm not enough, you know. So that's that's something that uh, that I was always trying to escape from. What um you spoke you spoke about your daughter there. Um was what was the moment where the kind of famous moment that you decided I need to make a change? Like what is like for a lot of people it's it's they can't pinpoint it to one. Was there a particular moment where you were like something's gotta change right now? There was there was loads of yeah. different times. Like say sure. for example like like, as I said, like, every time I'd go out and go on a bender, I'd be out for days upon days. There was one particular time when I actually came back into my mother's house and my ex-girlfriend was there and my daughter, and she, my daughter was only a, a newborn baby. She was holding her in her hands and she was roaring, crying and begging me not to go out. My mother was screaming, crying, begging me not to go back out. I literally entered the door, seeing the whole scenario, and then just legged it back out. And at that time, I didn't give a fuck. But still to this day, that whole image is ingrained in my brain. And that's not the only scenario, you know. And it's not until you sort of look back that you realise that these were all sort of new rock bottoms that I was hitting. But as somebody taught me before, rock bottom gets deeper every single time, you know. And all I was doing was prolonging my hurt, prolonging my pain. Um... And in the end, it wasn't until that I went to treatment when I started to get a good bit of sobriety behind me and I was also battling with psychosis at the time as well, that I just came into complete and utter awareness because I was living in delusion for so long and I thought it was everybody else's fault. But there was a stage in treatment and I'll never forget it when I had done group therapy and I went upstairs to have a shower and in the shower, I just had this thought and I said to myself, hold on for a second. I actually think, I actually think that this could all be my fault. And then I started to, to entertain that thought. And the more I entertained it, the more I realized, holy fuck, this is all my fault. Which gave me the awareness then that I was my own problem. And if I was my own problem, I was going to be my own solution. Can you, um, can you maybe discuss a little bit about like what the, the experience of getting sober was like the process of that. Yeah, so like getting first of all, like when people are sharing their stories and me, me personally as well, I can only speak for myself. Obviously, it sounds like oh, brilliant! So this is what I'll do to get sober. Yeah. It's not like that at all. Like so many times, I tried to get sober. So many times, I relapsed. I would get a good stint, and then everybody would be saying oh, brilliant! And obviously, I'd, I'd raise people's hopes. You know, yeah. the destruction has, has stopped. You know, he's he's on the straight and narrow, and then I'd fuck her all up. And that just builds up the pressure, probably on you, yeah. like, which is mad. And then, like, then you're just like you're living in this whole resentment of, you know, what well, fuck you is if I don't want to get sober, I don't want to get sober. And that's sort of the the whole dynamic that you're facing. Um and it's difficult. But like when I was trying to get sober and trying to get sober, I was always trying to do it for other people. But it wasn't until then when I, I started to go down the route of smoking crack cocaine and uh, abusing cocaine then for a couple of days that I end up going into psychosis, and when I went into psychosis, it was the um, it was the most scariest thing I've ever 
been through in my life. It was like complete and utter terror, turmoil. You don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. I thought my family were fucking setting me up. I thought everybody was in on it. I thought everything was like the fucking Truman Show. And I was the, the whole character in it. And I was like a pawn. Um, it was the most terrifying thing. So from and that's your brain, like probably just gone through so much trauma yeah. from like the continuous on the drugs, probably not getting the sleep, the rest it needs. It just starts to like, as you said, drug induced fucking psychosis. psychosis yeah, and I can always remember like doctors would used to would always give me like a a warning sign, say, "Listen, Christopher." One specific doctor said to me because I used to be in and out of hospital from um, taking too much cocaine, where I'd feel severely paranoid and I'd be checked into hospital six. And one doctor had once recently said to me, listen, your brain is on a very, very small string. And once you start to snap that string, there's no going back. And when I entered psychosis, I said to myself, oh, my God, I don't think I'll ever go back. This is the, you thought this is the thing this, that he was talking about. It, and, that's, and I said to myself, fuck, nobody could tell me whether I was going to revert back to my normal mind, my normal way of thinking or my normal mind. And You don't know if it's just snapped and that's it. Like, And then, yeah, and then it was terrifying. And like, it, it's mad that no matter how many examples you get and all like the advice you get until you get into that moment yourself and feel it. Because it's so, I, I'm sure it's so powerful, like for anyone who, gets gets the opportunity to see what it's like on the other side and then come back they're like grand now that i know that's there there's no way i'm coming back but unfortunately it's, it seems to take people to get to that point to be able to change and as you said you needed to do it for yourself like yeah doing it for other people leads to resentment as you said and like um i heard a, a thing on a podcast talking about addiction where it's like it's one of the only things where like you can do it for the whole day, be strong the whole day, and then it resets the next day. Like, it doesn't get easier as it goes. Obviously, you can find new habits, you can find new lifestyles, but, like, every single day for the rest of your life, like, you're always thinking about it. And, like, yeah. it's a... Uh, but, like, as you said, a lot of people don't get to get back from the way you were there. Like, so it's 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 great to at least understand it now. Um, speaking from talking about your daughter there, like, how big an impact did wanting to be like a good father to her and wanting to like provide for her and all those things, be there for her, you know, mentally and physically. Um, how big a motivation was that? Yeah. So like when, like when I was going through addiction, obviously like that's, it's fucking, it's like a, a, a straight spiral. And I always say this because it's the best way of describing it. It's like a downward spiral. But as soon as you step into recovery and try to be better and try to do better, it's an instantaneous upward spiral. It's like, God, the universe, whatever sort of higher power that you believe in, just starts to help you and starts to guide you. And the relationship with my daughter and the bond with my daughter to this day is honestly unimaginable. And I love her more than absolutely anything. But at the start, I could not connect with her because I seen her as an obstacle or as some sort of burden that was stopping me from getting to the drink or getting to the drugs or continuing to be one of the fucking lads. You know, it was a hindrance. Whereas now she's a blessing, you know, and to be honest with you, every single decision that I make in my life is based on making sure that she's a priority. And some things are very, very difficult because I'm trying to also live my life but I'm also trying to to live the life as a, a single father which is also very very difficult because nobody gives me a fucking handbook nobody in this world gets a handbook and as a single a single dad like 
I was only speaking about this today. It's very difficult because you don't get to see your kids all the time. You know, you, you're going through the, the whole thing of getting them for a short period of time. And then when you drop them off, you're left with this gaping hole inside you, you know, and it really fucking hurts. And that would have been a hole that I had a sort of put drinking drugs as a way to nullify that, you know, whereas now I don't, you know, now I understand that even though I only get my daughter for a couple of days, it's still a blessing, you know, because every single day that I have her, I make a count. Like my, um, my parents separated when I was 10 or 11 or something like that. And like now my dad's one of my best mates. Like we, we talk about this openly now. And like, as you get older, like at my age, I'm 29 now, like I, you know, I can relate to him being like, man, I was your age when I had you. Yeah. And so like being able to put myself back in that mindset of like the decisions he had to make. But like in reality at the time, I didn't realize like I'd see him on like a Wednesday and a Saturday or something like that. And I'd, as I get older, I'd have plans and stuff like that. And I'd be like, dad, can I do next week? Cause I yeah, can't do yeah. this week. And I didn't realize obviously the time was going off my mate's dad doesn't give a shit. He just, he doesn't have to make me dinner or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was only later on that my dad would be like, oh man, they'd fucking kill me those texts. Yeah, yeah. And now looking back like it's great that we have such a great relationship but he made it a priority that even though we separated and like we wouldn't see him every day the value was so much there to the extent that like he's still with my, me and my brother like one of our best friends yeah. talk to him every day we share an office here so like i think at the time i was angry as a as a son and my parents had separated yeah. why can't they be there every day but the reality was like what the marriage was like when they were together yeah awful yeah. And I got the worst of my mom. I got the worst of my dad. Yeah. Now I get the best of both. Obviously, they bicker and stuff like that. Yeah. But they, they figured out a relationship that made it work. And they put us first. And, like, I have a great relationship with them both. And I doubt yeah. that would have been the case. They stayed together. Like, so um, sometimes it's the best decision, man. And, like, if if a lot of people are conscious from me now, uh, being able to talk to my parents like that and understand it makes it so much easier. But at the time, you know... You think like they, when I'm a child, I think they have it all figured out. They're, yeah. they're 35, they're yeah, 40 yeah, yeah. and I'm 10. And now looking back, I'm like, man, I'm 30. I wouldn't know what the fuck I to do either. I have fucking clue. Exactly, yeah. man. Yeah. Exactly. Um, we spoke about, you know, what having to kind of fill, fill the gaps now, the drugs now call up left. What were some of the things that you found that helped? Obviously like exercise, fresh air, things that you do now. Were they things you found immediately? Um, so like uh, as soon as you, you start to let's take that step forward, it's like, like, obviously, you're giving a little bit of help with, I was giving a little bit of help with people supporting me, and then I was in treatment, but I'd done a lot of counselling then as well, and I went to primary and secondary treatment, which basically um, sort of delves into a lot of past trauma. I'd done a lot of work on my um, my uh, childhood and started to delve into what was going on for me at a very early age, and what I haven't dealt with from a very early age, a lot of grief, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, my grandmother's death. And as soon as I started to, to sort of endeavor through all of this, um, grief that I hadn't really, um, I had processed, processed. Yeah. yeah. Then I started to get better, but believe me, got a hell of a lot of fucking worse before I got better. And then before I knew it, like it was the, it was the, the hardest time of my life also the best time in my life because when I look back on it now I think to myself why didn't I just try to actually be present and be in that moment because looking back it was so so good because all I was doing was learning I was so, so motivated so hungry 
and I had so much energy and so much drive because I could feel myself getting better. I could feel my mental health starting to improve. I could see my skin starting to get clearer. Yeah. I was always, I always had weight. Uh, uh, as a cocaine addict, I don't know, but, uh, but breaking the mold. Yeah, yeah. I always had a, a good bit of weight on me, and I could see myself starting to get into shape. And I was like, Do you know what? This is actually fucking brilliant. As I'm trying to start to get better, everything is just getting better. I started to journal. I started to get into uh, manifestation. I started to get into praying. Um, like. It, the, the list is endless and the great thing about it is that I picked up so many tools to actually help my sobriety whereas still to this day I use them like yeah. through my daily routine unknown they're not conscious decisions they're just like you know what I actually feel like doing this today and then before I know it then I'm just journaling me whole day because I actually enjoy doing that now you know or else um like when i'm when i'm not feeling good i actually start to to speak positive thoughts to myself or in the affirmations affirmations, you know i have uh three affirmations that i say every single day to myself you know like my uh my dad has a dad's getting a huge push in the spot uh (laughs) he has a like a sheet like this up on his uh, wardrobe in his in his room and it's got just it's a huge big thing it has three sentences on it that he says to himself every day and um, he's very into positive affirmations and, and generally just ensuring that he goes out the door every day with like a positive mindset into yeah. the world like you've obviously gone through your sobriety you're on the other side of that now uh and like you start popping up on tiktok making content and stuff like that what was the what was the motivation to be like, I'm going to start making some TikToks? Like even before even like the 5K thing started, like you started just making content on TikTok. So I, I, I actually originally wanted to start it in, um, in treatment because I, I wanted to document my whole journey from from being an addict. The, I actually had a, a concept in my mind. Uh, I wanted to be an addict into an athlete. And that was my whole story behind it. But when I was in treatment, they said to me, there's no way you're allowed to document this because it's another form of escapism. And as soon as somebody likes my stuff, I get a dopamine hit and I can get instantly fucking drawn into that, you know, and it's something still to this day that I need to to watch. But... I went into the, the whole, cause as soon as you're fresh out of treatment, it's like, it's like a, a regurgitation method. You want everybody to know just how, first of all. You think you figured it out. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even though you're, you're out of treatment, you're still not that well. You know what I mean? You're, you're still sort of learning. Still to this day, I'm fucking. I'm no, le- you gotta learn how to encounter the world again. Do you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just wanted, I was just, I just wanted everybody to know like that I was alright. You know what I mean? And, I just, I did, all I was just doing was trying to, to help other people who were in the same boat as me. And I can remember when I was sick, I ended up praying to God and I said, look, I said, if you can take this psychosis away and if you can give me my mental health back, I promise you that I'll scream this to the world to help other people who are in the exact same situation that I once was in. Because the, the whole thing behind everything that I do and the, the, the getting onto TikTok and Instagram is because I knew for a fact I wasn't the only person who was as fucked up as I was, but nobody was ever saying it. I haven't, I didn't, never heard anybody saying like, I was in psychosis, I fucking, I was addicted to pornography, you know, all of this really fucking vulnerable shit. It's because men think it's fucking weak yeah. to talk about these things yeah. and I'm like, you need to suffer in silence, like it's fucking crazy. It's, yeah. Um, how quickly did you start to see traction with it? Um, 
so it wasn't really about that. Like it was just one day. I can remember I was over in the Phoenix Park and there was it was actually one of my first videos and I had recalled back about the time when I was in psychosis and I'd jump in to my auntie, the back of my auntie's car and she'd drive me over to the Phoenix Park away from me at the top of it and I'd run up to the top because at this stage I still thought someone was coming to shoot me. I was still very sick and she'd wait up at the top for me or jump in the back of the car, hide down behind the fucking seats and she dropped me back home. Now I was just recalling this on the video and I think I got like 100 or 200,000 uh, viewers and then it just started to blow up and then I was like, you know what, I'm actually helping people now whereas I was just doing that for myself then you know it was just like almost like a fucking like a, a video diary you know and then it just spiraled from there and then I was like I'm actually helping people and don't get me wrong there was a lot of fucking backlash as well and a lot of negative comments especially when you're being so open and vulnerable but what's what's the negativity you would have been getting from that just, uh, just people, like, first of all, like, uh, people were picking up on my skin, like, you know what I mean? I haven't got the, the best skin in the world, but, but they were, I did, I was, honestly, like, as soon as I came out of treatment, and still to this day, I really don't give a fuck what anybody says about me. And that's, that's from the heart, you know? The only thing that I care about is how I'm doing, how I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, and how I'm behaving. It's yeah, of course. And as soon as I do that, I don't really give a fuck, because if, if somebody doesn't like me, that's good because they won't be around me. Yeah. And that's one less person to worry about, yeah. you know? And as soon as I just started fucking, I started to encounter trolls. And then I, I, uh, a lady had recommended that I start uploading the videos then onto Instagram. And one guy had wrote to me on Instagram and said, uh, once a junkie, always a junkie, uh, just looking for attention. And I done a reply back to this video and then that video went viral on Instagram where I just I just understood that like this individual who was trying to actually target me and hurt me has obviously been targeted and hurt by somebody else you know so the fact that hurt people in this world are the people who try to hurt people you know all I was just trying to do was help whoever it was on the other side of the phone to realize that what they are actually trying to call me could be something that they are themselves because they kept trying to call me a victim you know, and I actually had got a victim mindset, but now I don't, you know, yeah. I have an awareness and I have an understanding that I once was a victim and that always fueled my addiction because if I was always a victim, it was always somebody else's fault. And if it was always somebody else's fault, it wasn't mine, which meant then I didn't have to take ownership, responsibility, you know. It's crazy that like you and that bloke probably have a ton in common, like, and he just sees... Maybe he sees that you're taking steps that he's not going to be. He doesn't yeah. think he can take any of those things, but it's just particularly on TikTok, man. And like, it's so great. You can reach so many people and the algorithm is so great. And like connecting your content with people that consume it. But as you grow and as it gets traction, you just do encounter those like fucking yeah. sad people as well, man. Um, the, uh, the series you just started, which is actually, no, we'll go into first. You started running 5k every yeah. day. Uh, before we even get into that, like, what was the was the initial? Was the initial? You just want to challenge yourself, just have something you could you could track for the year. I just I don't know. Like, I just wanted to to, to motivate people, you know. And I just like I don't even still to this day I don't think of myself as a runner. Like, you know, I'm I'm not a fucking. I, I actually really am not a runner. I'm just a person who loves to fucking exercise. And all I want to do is get people out moving, whether they're fucking running, hiking, swimming, jogging. Wherever the fuck you're doing, once you're stepping outside your house and stepping outside your comfort zone and actually being a little bit consistent. And I started to apply the principle to running that I learned in recovery 
one day at a time. And once you take anything in this world one day at a time, you will fucking complete it. And that's why I've got today is me 312th day of running 5k in a row every single day. Some days I do more. I never do less. I ran two marathons as well last year. You know, it's today I ran 10k, but it's not about the whole distance. It's not about the activity. It's about the consistency, the determination and the resilience of understanding. I don't give a fuck what happens today. I need to make time for this. And if you take the 5k out and replace it with sobriety, it's the exact same method that people will get sober on. If you take sobriety out and add in something that you want to get better at, that's how you're going to get better at. It's consistency. It's developed over time, you know? So it's like a, it's a non-negotiable for you. It's just yeah. one of those things and like you start to, you see a craze right now, like a huge craze, people doing ice baths, cold plunges, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And the, the overriding, obviously there's the like muscle stiffness and stuff, but the, the overriding message seems to be if you can control your brain and like master like even though your brain knows this is going to be awful and like it's it's encouraging you not to do something difficult yeah you control that you beat that and you do it anyway like it you take that into the rest of your day i don't need to go and fucking buy a vape buy some smokes all that you take the same mindset into the same thing um did you wish uh did you wish you'd done like maybe i'll do run 5k five days a week for the year or something like that like has there been days you've like oh fuck this like like some days you get like a lot of aches and a lot of pains but like I, I will be totally honest with you I've never had one day where I was like you know what I wish I hadn't done this because and my, a friend of mine only said to me last night he says uh, Chris has there ever been a day where you're like oh I didn't I nearly didn't make it today there's never been any of that because like when you're under like you have to understand it like as this the way I look at this is the way I look at my sobriety this is a non-negotiable but I don't even think of it as a non-negotiable this is my life and this is how I choose to live it you know, and if I don't choose to live my life in these parameters, well, then everything else falls to shit. And there's a very big stigma around people being selfish in this world. But what people don't realize is in order for your life to get better and for everybody else around you to get better, you need to be selfish. You need to take care of number one. I can't be a good father to Lucy unless my mental health is good, unless my, my body is is working on an optimal condition, you know? Because otherwise then, if I stop exercising, stop taking care of myself, and then fucking, God forbid, end up back on the drink, I fall to shit, and everybody else around me falls to shit. Do you have a, do you have um like, I guess, do you have a favorite route you like to do? Like one, like, like I know you do the canal one a lot, <laughs> just, like that's the one we like to do as well, we walk down that all the way down to the barge or something and back up. Is that what your favorite spot to do? Most of it, yeah. I just run from the canal up to the Portobello Bridge and then straight back down. Mm. From my house to the Portobello Bridge, it's 2.5k. From the Portobello Bridge back down, it's 2.5k. My missus would be the kind of one to be like, oh no, I'm, uh, I'm going for a run. She'll run 5k just straight one way. And yeah. then we'll like walk back. I'm like, man, do a fucking circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll yeah. be like, oh, I'm in, I'm in Randla. <laughs> like, man, you gotta watch it. I'll just get a taxi back. So I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah. Um, you started the series, the running 5k with like different people. Yeah. And, uh, Obviously, right now, it's like different creators, different people in the health and fitness space. Who would be like some dream guests you'd love to have on, like if you could have anyone on? Um, I haven't really got that far, although I would. I, like Ultimately, I'd, I'd like to reach a, as much of an audience as I could. You know, I've always looked up to Conor McGregor for years, especially when I was very sick. You know, his mindset and understanding about how to manifest things into to reality. And he's actually somebody who's done that as well in his life. That's something that I would love to, to, to bring uh, 
uh, towards the podcast. And I actually know a lot of his friends then as well. Um, but you wouldn't get to. You need to fucking. He's, he's too heavy now for a five k. Like, did you, see, did you see the trailer that came out? For that, World yeah, 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 yeah. Big fucking boy in that. I'd say, I'd say he can still move. Ah, he'd be grand. Don't worry. He'd fucking cruise it. Um, and like for the people you've had on now, like I think that what you have a really great opportunity to do is kind of have people on that maybe don't necessarily have like running as a big part of their life right now. Yeah. Like I know it's, it's it's easy right now to get, you know, coaches, different athletes, stuff like that, and they'll cruise it with you. But if you, and like the beauty you can have here is you can start to target anyone who just wants to start getting a little bit fitter. You yeah. know what I mean? I think that's where you can get like huge share of people that you wouldn't necessarily associate with like fitness content, just getting everyone normalized with the idea of running, you know? And the the whole reason why I started this up is because if you watch the episode, you'll see that I asked them two questions every single week. And it's how did you get where you are today? And what obstacles did you overcome in order to get there? Because every single person who is looking up to somebody of some sort of influence on social media looks at them as if they're some sort of higher person than themselves when in reality that individual had to get there by overcoming some sort of struggle and every single person in this world relates to struggle we all have to get through the the guts in order to get through the glory you know and that's why i ask these things and that's why i want to get other creators and other influencers and other people in the public eye to get along and running with me because this this isn't running 5k with Chris. This is a movement of getting people out there moving. I tried to do this last year, didn't take off. This year, please God, so far so good. Uh, I've done seven episodes. It's got over 650,000 views. So it's good. There, son. Uh, I, I, I think it's my, you said there that you tried to do, um, you, you do the group runs now on like certain weekend mornings yeah. to get people out. I think it's, I, I find it weird when like someone I don't know comments on the podcast and is like, I'm really enjoying them. So to like physically see people coming out to like meet, like if it doesn't, if you're not there, it doesn't happen. To see people being like Saturday, you come out in this fucking 10, 15 people ready to run. What's that feeling like just to know like you're reaching people to like improve themselves? Yeah, like it, it's, I, I always, I, I never try to, to like, to be honest with you, like I'm just fucking, I'm just a young player. You yeah, know what I mean? I'm, yeah, just, yeah. I'm just one of the boys, you know? So whenever like any lad shows up or any girl shows up, they're just one of the lads or one of the, the girls, you know what I mean? There's, I never see anybody as any less or, or anybody else as any more, you know? And I just, it's just fucking shooting the breeze. Mm -hmm. It's just seeing how people are. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a fucking, it's not a run that we're doing. You know what I mean? It's almost like a fucking, a little bit yeah, of, sure. Yeah, just yeah. a fucking bit of crack because that's what people need in their life, you know. Mm. I'm just trying to get people who who don't know how to fuck to who don't know how to run mm. to to get out moving. One of the most questions that I get asked is, "How do I start to run? Just start running, yeah. and then when you can't run anymore, stop, take a deep breath, go back home, chill out, and then the next day try to run some more." You know, I haven't got a fucking clue about how to give so many tips how to run. But nobody was there to give me any tips either. See, the the reality is I can kind of see from the way you answer the questions, like you don't, you're not like totally invested in the idea that like people are going to look at you as someone for advice, someone to motivate them, someone to inspire them. But like the reality is you kind of said it yourself. People aren't putting this kind of content out there, particularly like mental health stuff. Yeah. Just by you being the person to do that. And like you can see, obviously see by the audience you're reaching, like people need to hear this stuff and like, like it or not, you're going to start like you, you for all you know like someone's in the deepest depths of something right now seeing your video seeing like the come around that you've had to this point like that's what's inspiring them yeah so like you may and the fact that you're a normal bloke one of the lads like that's what 
makes it fucking like relatable and people yeah. be able to agree with. So, um, even as you, I saw you, you went back you to speak at your old school, you invited yeah. back to speak at your old school. Yeah. Like even that man, yeah. people are seeing the message you're putting out and being like, we need the youth to kind of hear this. Can you can you talk a little bit about the experience? Yeah. That's like a dream of mine oh. for, to come to be invited back by your school to be like he's gone on to do something of great value. I want him to pass that on. Like, that's a huge fucking thing to be asked to do. It was a full circle moment as well. Like, and, and this is one thing, like, I always speak about manifestation and for a lot of this podcast I've spoke about as well. I always dreamt of that. I always had that vision in my mind and it just brought itself into fruition. One of those teachers ended up contacting me and says, Chris, would there be any chance you'd drop back over to your old school and give the kids a little talk about your story through addiction? And at the start, I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. what, first of all, like, why would they even think like that, that this is going to be some sort of help until I realized like, hold on for a second, I'm actually starting to reach a broader audience here. And when I went back over to the school, I was, first of all, like I had to try to expect that some of the kids are going to be acting the bollocks because that's what I would have done. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Fuck this fella. Who the yeah. fuck do you think he is coming into the school? Fuck him. Yeah. But as soon as I was in, in there, the other day when I was in, every single one of the kids were listening. And I was a little bit like brought back. But at the same time, I understand because everybody in that classroom has something going on. And as a young person, we don't understand what it is, but we do understand the feelings. And most of us are going to school or not going to school because we have a specific feeling attached to that sort of day. But it could be because the, the mother and father's arguing or the brother's up to get, getting up to no good or whatever it is. And when I was over there, all the more invested asking me questions and actually really uh, understanding everything that I was saying. You know, it was, oh, it was fucking brilliant. What um, what kind of things did you go into? Did you just speak about your story, essentially? Yeah, so, uh, I, first of all, I asked the, the teacher about what was um, what was going to be the best way to say because obviously I, I tried to... What, what age were these kids, just for, um, for reference? 16 years of age. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so yeah. This is, I think they were fifth years. I have, man, then that's, that's right. And this is this is the problem area. Yeah, like, this is yeah. So, so to be honest with you, I told them everything about psychosis. I told them about my journey um, from just drinking to taking party drugs as ecstasy, going on to cocaine, which led me down the, the route of smoking crack, you know, and they all just understood every single thing that I was saying. And anybody who didn't understand it was raising their hands and asking me questions as if I was some sort of fucking teacher. Yeah. And I was like, this is nuts. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the thing is like that, as a young person and every single one of those kids who are, were in there, like, you know what I mean? Everybody can relate to something along the lines of what I'm saying. Because like... We all go through it, you know. We're all from those fucking, those council estates or those uh, block of flats, you know. And anything goes there, you know what I mean? It's a doggy dog world out there. And, you know, a, a lot of young people are struggling. And the more they start to, to realise that, hold on for a second, if I'm not feeling good, I can speak about it. Or if somebody is speaking about something that is resonating with me, that, hold on for a second, he went through something that I'm going through now. Well, then maybe if he done something to help him, I could do that thing to help me. Or maybe I can start to go down this route or that route. And maybe I don't need to get into selling drugs or fucking going out drinking and using drugs or smoking weed with everybody on the corner or playing video games that's another thing as well you know what i mean it's not even like one thing we probably didn't grow up with or yeah. like like I, I i talk a lot in this podcast about we reminisce about like 90s early 2000s where like 
if you want to know where your mates where you check like who what what bikes are outside people's houses like yeah, that kind of shit yeah, yeah. and how that's like it, it's mad how i'd say growing up right now is probably one of the toughest generations to grow up in with like social media and all those kind of things like the the simplicity is kind of gone out of it there's a lot of huge amount of social pressure and stuff like that um do you kind of see like obviously you say like people related to what you were saying and that's the perfect age i think to be yeah. having those conversations like fourth year fifth year um do you have an interest in doing like more of that like do you see like the value you can offer there yeah like like i obviously have a lot of dreams and goals you know and one of the things and i actually haven't spoke about this to anybody um so i'll give you an exclusive Get <laughs> but i do want to travel across every school that i can all across ireland and not just tell me story you know but to be able to somehow connect with each and every uh children in the school to be able to to sort of like the whole thing about skill is that you're you're sitting there and you're fucking drilled with all this fucking shit yeah. just to pass a fucking test. But here's the real test. When you walk out those fucking doors and you're hit with the, the real consequences of life, when your man and dad are fucking killing each other or when, when you're fucking, your sister or brother are giving you a hard time or you're being bullied or you don't know whether like you're fucking uh, accepted in this uh social aspect of the world that we're given to these days. Do you know what I mean? There's so many fucking things that these kids aren't being prepared for. And I think like, like how great would it be if I was able to go across every school in Ireland? Or you know one thing I always wanted to do? To be able to run to different counties in like all across Ireland. And as I run to different counties, stop in each school, tell them about my journey so far, all about the running, all about my life, and then start to learn a little bit about them. Because even though like I'm in that school and talking to the kids, I'm learning so much from them, from their faces, from their questions, and then able to understand that, hold on for a second, I was once there as well because it's very easy to forget where you came from sometimes you know and sometimes that happens to me as well what would uh what would chris who was under the bridge or in the bush think if he was kind of presented the idea that like in whatever five years time he's going to be speaking in schools in his old school about addiction and how to overcome it and like being asked by your by the school to come in and speak to the kids as someone they feel can offer value like is that that must be like polar opposite to where you thought you were going to end up. Yeah, I know. Like, I never in in a million years would have it, it, like even dreamt of it, you know. But I have to be totally honest with you, and I'm not trying to be arrogant or big headed. But as soon as I reached recovery and entered into recovery, I knew that the sky was the limit. I knew it, and I still do to this day. And I know for a fact that I'm destined for good things because it can only keep getting better. And when it doesn't get better, I'm going to learn. And when I learn, I grow. And when I grow, I keep improving. You know what I mean? And that's what it's all about. Like sometimes when you're in the depths of it, you can't see a fucking way out. But it's not until that you're a little bit down the line that you say, hold on for a second. I'm not doing where, I'm not where I want to be, but thank fuck I'm not where I was before. One day closer, man. Yeah. Closer. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I guess you're in a you're in a unique situation now. You can kind of see, you can kind of try a bunch of different things and see. But like, I can see you, particularly with the running aspect as well. Like even going in and like taking a whole class out for a run and then come back in and have a conversation after. Like those two things together, I think you've a really beautiful thing to like combine the two with. Yeah. Um. You spoke a little bit, and we'll kind of finish on this. Um. As you're building your platform, you're probably getting lots of messages, lots of stories from people who are in like similar struggles. Is there any kind of stories that or messages that stand out to you that kind of keep you going or like encourage you to do it? Because I'm sure 
for every, you can get a thousand fucking hate comments, but if one person leaves a real vulnerable part of themselves, opens up to you, like, I'm sure that makes it all worthwhile, like. Yeah, like there's 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 a lot of times. Well, I a lot I get so many messages. First of all, on social media, and I try my best to get around to as many as I can. But to be quite honest with you, there's so many, and I try not to get emotionally invested in a lot because the more I do, the more I lose myself, or the more I can be quickly uh, resentful of of everybody and the whole internet aspect, and I don't want any of that. So I try to keep myself in a happy medium with everything. But one of the the biggest things is when I'm out in the streets and people come up to me and like shake me hand or or speak to me and I will be honest sometimes I get a little bit fucked up and I get a little bit socially awkward and even though I do come across and I am a very confident and and uh, I'm I'm happy with who I am but when I see these people come up to me and and introduce themselves I understand like that I was that person as well you know and they're showing me a little bit of myself and that hurts you know man like even in 45 minutes there the kind of chat we've had like i think it's fucking remarkable where you've come from now and like i hope the only thing i can hope is that you make sure that you understand the value you're offering to people like a lot of that even like we kind of spoke about there isn't a lot of people for young people like especially young lads to kind of model themselves after you're either fucking andrew tate or like it's yeah, it's yeah. nothing there isn't there isn't that especially in ireland that kind of relatable guy who's been through it and is trying to make it better and puts up content that's real it isn't i don't think any of your content is but under like you know too cosmetic or too put together it's not like on it's all you running it's all taken by you on yeah. like you're running with it you don't have a videographer or anything like that and that makes it more relatable man so um what's the plans for the content going for just keep doing the same thing keep keep building up the the interviews and like things like that to be honest with you i can see myself please god getting a podcast yeah. you know getting it like like this but something that nobody's done before you know a running podcast the people who's on the run mic'd up because you know like when i'm running that 5k there's so many things that people don't see like when i was running with connor ryan the other day there was a load of girls screaming and shouting who wanted to get a fucking picture of him and that's fucking deadly you know what i mean and people need to see that and also people need to see the authenticity of these creators who they're only getting to see a fraction of now don't get me wrong i know there's good and bad to 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 certain people in this world but there's there's also a level of authenticity. And when I was with Connor uh, the other day, I got to see just how genuine he was. And I said to myself, you know what? I'd love for the world to see each person who they look up to on that sort of podcast. Do you get me? Because when you're running, it's everything is out the window. Yeah. Everything is out the door. Because they're not thinking of how do I look or what will I say? They're thinking... Uh, how the fuck am I going to be able to survive this 5k and they're not even thinking they're just fucking yeah. do you know what I mean they're just they're just being genuine it's mad uh, I actually from seeing like Connor Ryan in particular like one of the first people to kind of pioneer like building like businesses off TikTok and all those kind of things so like I personally see a lot of the content he's making to be like man it's inspiring shit for me seeing him do well seeing yeah. people do well from content in general inspires me and like so any kind of negatives people get man there's, there's good and bad to everyone no one's perfect yeah and the beautiful thing about your content is you're very open with your with your shortcomings as well as with like things you do well and that's what people can relate to man no one's perfect and um, thank you so much for coming on man thank you really very much for having that. Me. lads i'll have chris's stuff linked down below get over watch a series on tiktok there's so much fucking content on there man <laughs> Thanks, my bro. god like trying to go back through it <laughs> it was fucking mental and um, thank you for listening folks i'll see you on the next one peace